Our scripture this morning comes out of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ridge is here to read our scripture for us this morning. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as where you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? Well, Lord, we thank you that this is your word of life. And now make us people of life. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O God, our Redeemer, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, do you, rem- do you remember this when you were a small child? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open it up, and where are the people? <laughs> and do- go ahead and-, and do that where you are. You remember, you remember the second part? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open it up, and there are the people. Do you remember doing that as a small child? I, I do. Uh, in fact, it, I, I remember it's one of my very first memories in church. It was a, uh, we, were, we made sure that we taught it to our children as well when our kids were small. It was early on as a small boy that I began to recognize, even early on, even probably even before I learned that little, that little rhyme, that the church was not about the building. The church was not about the building. Indeed, when when we went to church, we often were going to the building. But I recognized early on that that the church was was not necessarily the building. And, And I think that's a good reminder for us in our culture and the things that we are experiencing today. I know one of the things that you all have, have missed so much is, is, the, is simply being here, uh, seeing this beautiful sanctuary. But I would suspect that, that one of the things that you probably miss even more than that is seeing all the people, seeing one another. As a young boy, I, I recognized that. I recognized as well that even as a young boy that there were, there was not always, um, we were not always on the same page when it came to different churches in our community. I grew up in a very small community of, of Leedy, Oklahoma in far northwest Oklahoma. And in that small town of about uh, three to four hundred people. Uh, there was the uh, there was the Methodist Church that I grew up in. Uh, there was the Baptist Church. There was the Church of Christ. There was an Assemblies of God Church at that time. Uh, there was the Red Star Brethren in Christ. There was the Moorwood Baptist Church. There was 
the, uh, there was a German Baptist church, a German-speaking Baptist church out in the country. There were a couple of other missionary Baptist churches. There was the Ray Baptist Church. There were churches all over the countryside out there. And every year we would, well, for about 10 years, we had a town-wide tent revival. And it was a call for all of the Christians in town to, to come together and worship together. And what I, what I began to quickly realize is that there were some of my friends that didn't show up. Even though they, they were Christians, even though they were very faithful folks, they didn't show up because uh, they didn't necessarily uh, want to come together as, as one group of Christians. And so I, I learned early on that not all Christians are of one mind. And then I, and, and then I, I, I know folks of, of, of other denominations that, uh, that I mean, we, we have differences in opinions when it comes to things like uh, communion, holy communion, when it comes to things like baptism as well, when it comes to some of the, some of the peripheral kinds of things. And, and indeed, those are important parts of our faith. But the central aspects of our faith are the things that we find in the creed. Today we are, we are continuing, we are uh, continuing our sermon series dealing with the Apostles' Creed. And today, today we are looking at the Holy Universal, uh, the Holy Universal Church and the communion of saints. These are two things that I think are, are deeply connected. And I think they also fall under the, the, the heading of, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. Because the, the, the church, the Holy Universal Church, and the communion of saints, I believe, are, are, are they're both ministries of, of, the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I have noticed as a United Methodist pastor, I have noticed as I've been involved in a number of different ministerial alliances in three or four different communities that I, I have been a minister in part of the ministerial alliance. In fact, in my previous congregation, I was the president of that ministerial alliance. So the ministerial alliance is simply a, a group, it, it's an organization for primarily the pastors in town to come uh, together and to meet with one another and to talk about uh, things going on in the life of the religious community in that, in that town. Well, I, I quickly realized, again, there, in, my, in my very first ministerial alliance, there were, there were some preachers that just simply refused, refused to be part of the ministerial alliance. And what I found was that Methodist pastors are a little bit unique. In fact, there are a number of reasons that we're incredibly, incredibly unique. But one of those reasons is because uh, we have been charged by the Book of Discipline uh, to participate in community, ecumenical and interreligious concerns, and to work for Christian unity. That's actually in our, that's actually in our Book of Discipline. That's one of the things that I've been charged to do as a United Methodist pastor. I've been charged to participate in community, ecumenical, and interreligious concerns, and to work for Christian unity. And so as United Methodist, we take this part of the creed incredibly serious. However, however, although we take this part of the creed incredibly serious, um, it is also pretty controversial as well. Other parts of the creed, by and large, almost all Christians would agree on. 
whether it is, the, it is a belief in God the Father, whether it is a belief in uh, uh, Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, all of those kinds of things that go on with Him, even in the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit, we will find at least some sort, some sort of, uh, of agreement on, on almost all of those statements. However, on this statement, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, many of us have uh, incredible disagreements over. Now, if, if you notice here at First Church, if you notice here at First Church, we don't say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. By the way, if, if you look in the hymnal, if you look at the traditional version of that creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And that Catholic with a C uh, is a small C. It's not an uppercase C, meaning the Roman Catholic Church. No, it means the uh, the, the universal church. So at First Church, we say instead the universal church. The term Catholic church means the universal church. The lowercase Catholic means whole or in general. The, the general church, the capitalized Catholic, means the Roman Catholic church. In the early church, there were no denominations. There were no denominations. There was one holy Catholic with a small c, church. There was one church. Today, however, there are over 41,000 different denominations among Christianity. And so you can see then that we have segmented ourselves out. By the way, I'm not one of those kinds of pastors that would say that we need to just simply do away with all denominations and we all need to be kind of one big body. I, I, I I don't believe that's the case or that should be the case. There are indeed differences among Christian denominations. We do have different practices and different understandings of, of different aspects of the faith. Some of them are, are simply personality-driven. But, but we've recognized, as United Methodists, we recognize that we've chosen the Methodist Church because it fits us the best. Indeed, there are other denominations, and they're fine. They're wonderful. If they, are, if they believe in the, in, the, in the words of the Apostles' Creed, if they believe in the, in the core doctrines of our faith, that's all right. We're all one in Jesus Christ. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Our passage of Scripture today, it come, again, is uh, from the book of Ephesians. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a, was a large church community. In, in fact, uh, there's estimates that uh, the city of Ephesus had almost 300,000 uh, people that lived in that city of Ephesus. It was a large, large uh, city in the ancient Near East. It was also a deeply, deeply spiritual um, area as well. It wasn't a Christian area at all by the time that, that Paul wrote his letter uh, to that church in Ephesus, but instead it was deeply, deeply spiritual. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world was there in Ephesus. It was a, it was a large temple to the Greek goddess Artemis. And so um, these early Christians there in Ephesus, they, they, they needed some clarification about what it was to be, uh, to be called Christians. They didn't quite understand their relationship in, re- in relation to Christ. 
they didn't understand their position relative to Christ. And so Paul here in the first part of, of chapter 4 begins to tell them then what their relationship is uh, in, in, relation to, in relation to Jesus and what their relationship is to one another as well. There is one body and one spirit, he says, just as you were called to one hope and that one hope belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Throughout his writings, Paul uses the, in Greek, the, the word is ekklesia. And almost always throughout the New Testament, it is, uh, that Greek word is translated as the church. But that term ekklesia simply means the called out ones. And so when we say that we believe in the, in the holy universal church, we are saying that we, we believe in, in this thing called the church. It's not necessarily the institution that we're saying that we believe in. It's not necessarily the, the buildings that we say that we believe in. We're not even necessarily saying that we believe in the, in, in the people. We are, we are saying that we believe in the body, the called out ones. The ones who have, who have been called by God through Jesus Christ to come and believe and have responded with faith. So, our creed says that we believe in the holy Catholic or the holy universal church. So, when we call this church, this, this group of called out ones, this body of believers, this, this one body under one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are calling it a holy church. And when something is called holy, it simply means that it is set apart. It simply means it is, it is consecrated. It is not always good. <laughs> it is not always good, but it is always used. The church is not always good. So when we say that we believe in a holy church, we recognize that not necessarily that everyone in the church is holy. We are not even recognizing or we are not even saying that the institution itself is holy, for we know that that is not the case at all. You know, I've heard, I've heard some folks say that they will, um, well, they just, they just want a perfect church. Uh, you may have heard the old adage, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And if there was, the moment that you joined it or I joined it, it would no longer be perfect because we're not perfect. We believe in a holy, a holy Catholic church, a holy, holy universal church, a holy universal church. You see, we recognize we recognize that as United Methodists, God came not just for Methodists. I say it almost every time that we have Holy Communion together and we celebrate that Holy Meal together. I say, thank God that Jesus Christ came not just for the Methodist 
God came for the Baptists and God came for the Lutherans and the, and the Presbyterians and the non-denominationals. And Jesus Christ even came for those who were lost. Jesus Christ came for all of the world. We believe in a holy, universal church that God's love is offered to everyone. You know, there are, there are some churches that, that believe that, that, that you are not a Christian unless you go to, to that denomination. There are many churches that will not accept the, uh, the baptisms of, of other folks. There are even, there are, unless, unless you were baptized in a particular way in a, by, a particular, by a particular pastor, there are others, there are other churches that would even say, you're not a Christian unless you come to this particular church, not just this denomination, but this particular church. Dear friends, that's not what we as Methodists believe. We believe that as Methodists, we are just simply one part of a whole. John Wesley, in his sermon entitled On the Catholic Spirit, he, he, said, he said this, But although a difference in opinions or modes of worship may prevent an entire union, yet need it prevent our union in affection? Though we cannot think alike, May we not love alike? May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion? Without all doubt, we may. And, and it continues. Herein, all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences, he says. These remaining as they are, they may forward one another in love and in good works. What Wesley is telling us is that indeed there are, in, there are differences. There are differences among churches. In fact, Wesley was uh, trying to lead a, 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 a revolution in his own church. He was, he was trying to lead to reforms in his own church. He believed that in the Church of England there were a number of things that needed to be changed and he was fighting for those changes. And he also had intense theological disagreements with other people. But in the end, in the end, he said, what is most important is that we all love alike, that we all love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our creed also says then that we believe in the communion of saints. We believe in the communion of saints. Again, this is another area that there is some disagreement in our creed. Some say that this, um, this affirms the belief in official saints, canonized saints. Uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, there are, uh, there are those who, have, who, are, who are deceased that have gone through the, the process of being canonized. And, and there are the saints of heaven, the official saints of heaven that are interceding for us. And in fact, in, in some aspects of the Roman Catholic tradition... Uh, you, even, you, you even pray through a saint as well for, for particular needs. Those of us who are Protestants, we would, we would disagree with our Catholic brothers and sisters. But I think what we can all affirm is, is this. When we say that we believe in the communion of saints, we are saying that we believe in the, in the church triumphant. Meaning that there, are a, there is a gathering of the church triumphant even on this Palm Sunday. On this Palm Sunday, 
we are, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Paul says. The church triumphant, and they are worshiping with us today on this Palm Sunday. When we say we believe in the communion of saints, we say that we, are, we believe in, in the church triumphant, but also we are saying that we believe in the communion of saints here, in, here on this earth as well. Meaning, meaning, we believe in the gathering of the body of Christ. Now, again, I know this is an odd time to be, to be thinking about the gathering of the body of Christ because we physically are not gathering together. However, I feel your presence right there through the screen. I know where you are, there in your homes, there in front of your computer screens, there with your phones and tablets as well. Again, scattered all across the, the metro area and across Oklahoma and even around the globe. But we are called to, uh, we are called to, to gather together. You know, over my times of, of um, all these years of being, of being a United Methodist pastor, I have performed well over a hundred funerals. And I can't tell you how many of those funerals, as I, as I meet with the families, especially in my previous community, I, I had made the, uh, the wonderful, awful mistake of becoming good friends with the funeral home director. And so those families that didn't have a, um, didn't have a church home and they needed a funeral done, they would, the funeral home director would call me. And so I did a number of funerals of folks that had no involvement in church whatsoever. And oftentimes the conversation would go something like this. I would ask them about, about their deceased father, about, their, about, his, about his church attendance. If he, would, if he had been involved in church at all, I always wanted to, always wanted to know so I could, so I could uh, talk about them appropriately. And almost always, or on many occasions, the family would say, "No, you know, Dad, he wasn't much. He wasn't much of a of a churchgoer at all. You know, now now he believed in God, and he he sure loved Jesus. Now he always played golf on Sunday mornings, and he wasn't much of a church person. But but you know, I mean, he he was he was deeply deeply spiritual. Dear friends, if we are going to be a a a, a true body of believers." We are people who believe in the communion of saints in, in this earth, on this earth. We believe that we are called to come together as one. Studies, national statistics show that uh, around 17% of the population are involved in worship on Sunday mornings. The population of Oklahoma City large or the larger uh, metro area is 1.4 million. So that means in the Oklahoma City metro area there are 1.16 million people on any given Sunday who are not involved in a Christian worship service. One almost 1.2 million people 1.2 million people scattered all across the metro area are not involved in Christian worship in any particular Sunday. Dear friends, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, if we truly believe in a communion of saints here in this world, 
isn't it our obligation then to do everything that we can to get part of that 1.2 million people who are not involved in a worship service on any particular Sunday? Isn't it part of our Christian duty and our responsibility and our great joy to invite them to worship with us? How much easier is it now to invite someone to, uh, to come to online worship and to tune in not just at 1045 on a Sunday morning, but they can tune in anytime they want? How much easier is it to, uh, to, to continue to, uh, to click on uh, a, a, a like on, on our Facebook page or to share our Facebook page, those links to our online worship? If we believe, if we believe that church is what we are to be about, if we believe in a holy communion if we believe in the in the in the communion of saints here on earth we always need to remember you you remember the number one reason people say that they don't attend church you remember what it is that's right they've never been asked they've never been asked people are waiting and ready to be asked to come to worship and no more so next sunday than any other time in the entire year Sometimes it's difficult to be in the church. No doubt, it's difficult to be in the church, especially in this time, it's difficult to be in the church. I mean, you're, you're sitting there in front of your screens. You didn't have to get dressed this morning. You're sitting there and, and maybe even pajamas, still drinking your, your, your Sunday morning coffee, and that is completely fine. That is completely fine, but it's so hard to get motivated to come downtown during our regular seasons, not, not in this season, but it's hard to come downtown. It, it's hard to be part of a church because, you know, there are people in the church and it gets kind of messy. I saw this a, a few weeks ago. Someone said being in the church is like being in Noah's Ark. The only way to stand the stench on the inside is to remember the raging storm on the outside. I hope and pray I hope and pray that uh, you will continue to affirm the communion of saints, the gathering together of the body of Christ each and every Sunday. Would you bow with me? Oh God, we thank you that you have called us to believe in a holy universal church, a church that's made up not just of Methodists, praise God, but is made up of Baptists and Pentecostals and Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Roman Catholics, non-denominationals, even those who, who may not have yet found a church home, but they are followers of yours. There may even be some that are tuning in today, some that are maybe in between worship services or in between churches, and they're not exactly sure where to go. Lord, I believe that you're calling them. You're calling them to go deeper in the midst of a body of believers. Indeed, O oh God, we affirm with the Apostle Paul, we believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We believe in this crazy thing called church. 
crazy, broken, blessed, and holy universal church made up of the, of the dear saints. And you've called us to come together each week to commune with one another. Oh Lord, help us to continue to commune, to meet, to worship together. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.